Hello, my name is Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today's episode, we talked about 5G and factories and edge and how they are very interconnected. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about what is a network edge and how we need to route traffic around. Um, fascinating conversation because it really started from what is digital twinning and the need for a new UI, a new user experience around interacting with systems that is starting to emerge that will be very network intensive and visually oriented and involve overlaying the physical world with the virtual world. Um, that is the backdrop for how the heck are we going to connect all these things together? That was the topic for today. Hope you enjoy it. It was a really good conversation. So, for example, Rolls-Royce is a good test case, right? Over the last 10 years, what they've done is moved from, by using what they're calling Industry 5, what I'm calling advanced manufacturing, they're using the simulators together with the sensors and actuators and everything else in, in actual production and AI. And they've literally flipped their business model over that period of time to be 50% of revenue generated from services coming out of the digital twin and the digital thread that underpins it. So yeah. the analytics is a huge port part. Hang on. Uh, also the integration to ERP, to MES, to all the legacy systems. Oh. It's a way to reduce technical debt by reusing what you already have in terms of modernizing your ERP or your MES. And the other part of it, which I'm finding very interesting, which our mutual friend Simon would be all over, is this notion of pulling real-time data in. So, excuse me, companies like Siemens, now NVIDIA, AutoCAD, uh, Autodesk, all of the um, CAD players plus all of the gamification companies like Unity, which is used to develop games, um, are all kludging in this one big, oh yes, we can use these wonderful building tools to actually do real-time monitoring of equipment, not only in a factory, but to take in the feedback loop to have a closed loop impact from the consumer side or in business, the, the business customer. So we have this continuous intelligence. We have it running in a way that we want to put it on edge because it's too slow to do it on cloud, depending on what the workload is. And we also have this huge need to integrate something in the factory floor around cyber security and bring the communications backbone, i.e. the IIoT or digital thread up to speed so we can process it in, real, in near real time as well. I'm sorry, so, did, you, did you say digital threat or thread? Thread. Okay. We and, have to protect the digital threat, but we need to uh, modernize and improve the digital thread. Okay. And this, the, is, actually, this is actually a, a good tie over into the, the plan topic for today, which was all about 5G, radio, internet. Local local network. So let's. I would take that. Pick where you went and keep yeah. going. Yeah. Before we digress a little bit further, um, the the other thing that that goes parallel with uh, digital twins and, and such as uh, AR, 
and and that yeah. you 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 maybe they they complement each other and that you can then take the model of, of your real life object and, and give their feedback to you via your visualization to say like okay like I know my 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 factory floor um, like my, my assembly line is reporting an, an issue. You, you because you already have the model from your digital twin, you you can wave your phone around and, and it will point at where your where your problem is reported. And it's also being used to take like if you if you start hearing the term industry five coming up, you're actually taking something that's current now uh, outside of North America. Um, so rest of the world, which because North America is about six years behind. Um, that being said, in industry four, you started to have the capability of I can order my shoes online. And depending on the manufacturer I choose, they'll have the technology in place to get that to my door. In industry five, they're now bringing me into the process even more at an earlier stage of ideation or design to optimize the production to be able to do that delivery. And that closed loop impact has huge ramifications for manufacturing when it comes to SDG, when it comes to virtually any part of IT, because you have to secure that inbound feed. You have to build your infrastructure to be able to handle that extra deluge of information after, after it's been turned into information from data. You have to feed it back into your digital twin to see what that next production run is going to be like now that you have mass personalization in place and the feedback as well. And it also has a, a huge impact to the collaboration and cooperation between man and machine or woman and machine. Because now you are at a stage where your automation is high, your workloads in cloud are high, and you're trying to figure out a better way to do that. You have latency issues, you have uh, calm issues, you have different proxies that are being used for the different protocols. And you now have a fully automated as well as digitalized environment. That's a big deal. And it's not just for the manufacturing side, it's also their supply chain partners. Think about retail, in healthcare, think about patient care all the way back to uh, the company that makes the ventilator or the heart monitor and the wearable technologies that are now coming out around that, which to Klaus's point also bring in the AR, the VR, and all of the other accoutrements that go with it. So it's big. And this is gonna be one of the highest growth sectors for the next two years. And it's gonna go right along with edge because you can't do it in cloud. And security is gonna become much more critical as well. Yeah. Right. You look at current SCADA systems, and, and the, the, I mean, the, in a lot of, in a lot of industrial environments, security is done by isolation, and, and by integrating things this much, you cannot isolate anymore. You, you need to have tighter controls, and you need to also have better disaster recovery. Yeah. I mean, like let, let's say you. you Let's say you, you have a tightly integrated factory floor and, and something breaks. 
are you able to to replace it with just with just off-the-shelf components but like you used to before or is there DRM involved there or, or connectivity so are, are we going to be looking at terraform for for the um for physical components pretty much and you know it, it was very interesting this this mesa meeting that i sit in on and you might want to join the community it's it's not a big deal you don't have to pay for it or anything um there's 879 people in this group on linkedin all of them coming out of either vendor uh user or higher level in the manufacturing organizations some of the very largest companies are being represented but when you when i hear companies like siemens talking about the fact that they're having a problem with customer requirements where they're not being able to address them on edge because they put their product in it's being run on cloud now the customer saying hey i have too much latency that's a big deal but especially actually, yeah. now for north america which is just adopting. I, just adopting what? The... Well, they're just finally waking up to the fact that if they don't digitalize or adopt industry four, it, they're already so far behind that this is survival mode. And oh. not all the companies, but I would say a good percentage of them uh, never between let's say 2018 and today um based on the economy but also based on just being laggard they never improved their capabilities in their erp systems their legacy systems of mes or on the shop floor itself now they're being forced to digitalize their networks and their communications backbone are like from the i would say late 90s so this is going to create huge issues for them. And they're trying to figure out how to bring more advanced networking in to be able to deal with part of it to start pairing out or pairing down that latency that they're finding. But the only way they can actually do it properly is to put edge in. I, I would wager also that um, there's economic factors beyond the, this threat of obsolence uh that are, are driving this i mean if you're looking at the like production cost per unit china has right. the market covered so uh so when you're trying to produce locally you have to find your edge somewhere else uh, whether whether that's innovation or or, or just like well the two technology like less wasteful, less waste per unit, things like that. Yeah, Klaus, I, I completely agree. The only thing that I would say that if I had to name economic drivers, one is um, one is definitely cost uh, in terms of uh, product manufacturing itself because of the supply chain issues. Uh, another one is supply chain and, and the scarcity of materials. But then you have other drivers like personalization, which is causing a huge up, 
uptick in not only robotics and automation, but in digitalization as well. You can't get into any kind of personalization scenario if you're manufacturing for the consumer or even for business, if you have no way to take that feedback from your customer. And if all it ends up being placed in is the CRM, you're screwed because that'll never get back to ideation, design, or engineering. So you're, you're actually creating silos. The other driver is, I would say, there's a big, big um, set of plans coming out, not only the infrastructure bill that's being passed by the US Congress, but also um, in the UK, in Germany to a lesser extent, but in the US particularly, this notion of um, we have to invest in manufacturing is driven by labor force more than anything else. It's not about putting people back to work. It's about the transition that workforce displacement is going to have. So if the largest companies automate and digitalize to the nth degree, like China has, for example, you're going to have massive numbers of people being um having to be retrained or moved into a different industry where their skills can be leveraged, but you're going to have knowledge loss, workforce displacement, and a whole lot of people unemployed, whether it's um, people that are closer to retirement than younger or young people who are looking because into manufacturing jobs because they don't have the education. So yeah. those would be the drivers. Yeah, I know. Talent, I mean, <laughs> Given that that you and I are from Canada, we, we, we're we're no strangers to to the issues with talent retention, uh, right. tech field. So it, it's uh, it it makes sense to 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 aim for that as well, also in in the, in the industry fields. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we're we're trying to create green jobs and a new auto industry, but um, there's a lot to be desired when it comes to what we used to make versus what we do make. Oh. And uh, we can look into that, that some, the, some other time. So, so let, let's not go there. Right. So let let's go back to so the the discussion of radio, internet radio, and other things Wi-Fi related. Yeah. Well, I mean, so to me, those are those end up being table stakes for what you're describing, right? None of not all the technologies that that you're you're laying in here require tight, fast local networks. Of different varieties. All right. This is and this is where I fundamentally are we expecting what we can what I would consider sort of public radio networks and private net radio networks to converge? That's like one of the things. That's a really good question. What what do you mean by converge? So today we have Wi-Fi networks that are entirely private, and right. and you would consider a, have some type of of hard protected boundary, whether it's true or not. You would you'd still treat them as an internal network, a private network. Mm -hmm. And then you have five G coming in, which promises comparable performance to Wi-Fi, but as a public 
but as a public radio network, meaning it's it, one, it's public, it's public, so all those packets are mixed together with anybody else's packets. But then the other challenge is it also crosses through a RAN system and doesn't access the, the public internet until it's crossed into a RAN, right? It, it, there's a gateway back into the public internet, um, which can defeat the whole connectivity, you know, local connectivity problem. Like if I wanted to connect something to a cell phone, even if I had local local traffic, unless I'm on Wi-Fi, it's going to route through my service provider's gateways, get mm-hmm. on the internet, and then bounce to wherever before it makes it to, you know, potentially the device sitting next to it that's on the, the internet. Right. Um, so, so you're saying that might be an issue for low latency applications? Well... Definitely. Well, well, my assumption has been when we talk about 5G, um, that at some point where everything just becomes on that cell phone, the 5G cell phone networks, right? We don't we don't have. So there is, you're saying there is no distinction between internal and, uh, and external other than what you put on the upper layer protocols to to protect it or to isolate it. Definitely. That's a that's a challenge. The, the thing that I found. I'm having trouble reconciling in general when people talk about 5G is this idea that 5G is becomes the this ubiquitous network backbone for all the other pieces. Yeah. Um, and and that's that the, there's a leap in that that requires a whole bunch of infrastructure and that I don't think the phone companies are building the way that people uh, well, not only are the phone companies not building the the data centers that have to live with you know the the explosion in endpoints that they have to manage as a result of of five G is just the switching fabrics that have to have to manage all of this inside the you know top of wrap switches all of that not ready for that at all. No, they're not, and I would I would suggest I think I I still draw the line where. 5G gets me to the telephone pole outside the factory. Okay. And so that's where it stops. Is it is it the is it the modern PBX tied to the tied to the phone company? Is that what we're talking about? Is that a model? I don't know that that's necessarily a model. I think the PSTN networks are what's being used. There's still a lot of factories though, don't forget, that have networks dedicated to particular tiers. And I was just trying to, well, I was listening to you guys speak. I was just trying to pull up a slide I have and I'm having trouble finding it, um, which basically takes three levels of edge. It's an architecture that I did a while ago and it divides it out based on the protocols that are needed for machines, the protocols that are needed for, um, let's say internal networks and then the internet. And it starts divvying up where that communications backbone actually is going to have to lie. My issue with that slide uh, and the different levels of what they're what it, what I'm calling edge in that is a it's a little bit dated, but b you can't actually run cell inside a factory easily. You have so much interference and so much. Um, uh, backtalk and and all of that sort of stuff, that it becomes extremely difficult. The other thing is also with all that um, chatter going on in the background, where do you put the security on that? 
Is mm-hmm. it individually in each machine? Well, okay, that would be the logical place so that no matter what the packet looks like from point A to point B, you know, it's secure. Or do you just start introspecting randomly to make sure that those packets are secure? So, Rob, I'm struggling with this of whether or not you could take LoRa or some form of open RAN and run it inside a facility and use that in all the facilities and then somehow either connect into 5G as you're going out the door or you know how that's going to work. Um, it's not especially my area of expertise. So I'm much more interested in what other people have to say about it. I, I think it's going to vary by, by industry. Um, I can see, for example, like business-grade laptops with a with a five G modem in them, um, being configured so that they they automatically connect to like to to the side to your to your uh, company's uh, uh, identity uh, proxy or or VPN, uh, and, and then and then that removes the need to control the a remote network because you, you you take the home Wi-Fi out of it. So so for that kind of industry, I, I, I see 5G as potentially being a big boon. On the other hand, yeah, for manufacturing and, and, and such, uh, beyond the interference issues and, and other things, it it would be a, a, a like a, a data control nightmare. You allow your internal traffic to go over a, a, a third party, so you either have to do an overlay uh, encryption network and, and, and hope that that it doesn't get uh, uh, compromised, or, or or you continue doing your own private network, uh, and you and you have an five G, uh, perhaps like a gateway between sites. But, but within the site, you have your own private uh, traffic. Well, it, it seems like it would be useful, based on what I what I hear with and know five G, to have all the devices be able to be five G devices, right? The the rate, the radio, the antenna, the the all. I mean, the the chipsets. <coughs> Excuse me. Right. If that became, if you know, they're just they're just going to be so dominant that using that as your 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 networking to you know topology makes tons of sense. Doing it as a private five G network on your site would also make sense to me because you you don't you're right you don't want to have those tr- on public networks. You have to have you know embedding the security in every device is going to is going to become and assuming you're on public networks for fixed location devices doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. It um, would be in- crosswise it, either. It, it it would be interesting if we were to see 5G over wire networks, just like, uh, hmm. like uh, you know, those home, uh, like, um, um, those home uh, connect, I forgot the, what it's called, uh, the, the devices that, that you basically plug into your outlet and, and you use your... Uh, your Ethern- Ethernet over, yeah, over over power. Yes, that, Ethernet over power. power. So, yeah. Or power line. Um, so I could see doing the same with, with 5G, like 5G over uh, uh, over wire, in, in which case 
that solves the interference issues in, on, on the factory floor, uh, but still gives you a common protocol for interconnectivity between devices. But then what's that going to do to latency class? Because then you're going to have um, a machine protocol, call it a, 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 a um, SCADA, for example. And you're going to have a translation, a translator of some sort that's going to take that into the common protocol that's going to then have to translate again to dump it into whatever legacy system or whatever next machine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like low latency applications, those are still a different beast. Like in, in many cases, when you're aiming for, for ultra low latency, you're not even doing Ethernet. You're doing direct. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so the, the assumption here with, with the talk right now is, is that when we're talking about applicability of using 5G is where, where ultra low latency is, is not a requirement. Well, what about 6G? What about it? <laughs> Tracking. Would it solve the, Okay, I didn't mean it to be facetious. I meant it no, no, in the I, way I, that I, will I, it solve will it solve more pardon? I didn't I'm sorry, I didn't think you were. I, I, I No, I I I'm 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 looking at it from the point of view of is the extra bang for the buck in 6G better for the situation than 5G? It might be. Um, I mean, we we huh. we can't really hold down for what is the best solution. Question is, I, th I think the question is more: is it's five G enough or good enough for for these applications, or 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 is there uh, something that will hold it back? But maybe they don't even care. I mean, we care about 5G from a handset and radio network perspective. I mean, maybe Wi-Fi and fixed networks is enough. I mean, are are are, are there actually tele are, are these actually blockers in in oh. this case? I mean, is is there is there actually that much benefit at this point to thinking that we need these these new net these new technologies you know I'm, I'm going actually the opposite direction like do we do we need something in these in 5g or 6g that's that's not already present in a wi-fi infrastructure that we have today well like the this scenario that i gave uh initially of uh again like managing like remote desktops uh by like the advantage of 5G is, is that when you, you don't you don't have you don't have a fully trusted network, but you remove uh, an uncontrolled network from your environment, and you you can ensure that the device that you hand your employee only uses 5G to con to connect to or to allow incoming connections, if, if at all from your specified uh, sources. So you, 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 you're, you're removing the, the potentially compromised local network 
from from the from the remote device that you're handing out. So from a security or from an IT perspective, there is value in 5G. Uh, so I, I guess the the question huh. the question that that you were pointing like is there value in five for 5G in in manufacturing? That I don't know. I don't know enough about incidents of manufacturing to, to to be able to tell about that. Is there value for 5G in general? Yes. Beyond just the, the performance. What do you see as the value beyond performance? Security and, and, and uh, traffic control. Okay. I think... Hmm. You know, it it almost makes me think that maybe the better way to do this is is LoRa. LoRa to open RAN. What's LoRa? Just so I make LoRa. The <laughs> it's. I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to think. Oh here. Oh, okay. You got your end up. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to put low, the pieces together in Lower Alliance, which is a low power uh, right. uh wireless network. So it's, it looks like Wi Fi basically. Well, there's LoRa 5G, there's oh, there's Lora, there's a bunch Lola's of different Lowra's wrong long range. The LoRa is long range. Right. Okay. I'm putting up a... because th that could also be part of the issue. Okay. Um, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, this is not my specific area of expertise, but certainly what I like about what I see in other technologies aside from 5G is the level of securing the packets more than anything else. Now, if we could do that in hardware, Why couldn't my edge server, for example, be my security server for a part of my factory floor or even out to what used to be a DMZ-like thing right. and make use of that for the latency, for the security, for some of the speed, but without necessarily exposing it outside the four walls unless it's to those that are not authenticated, but uh, what's the word? Authorized. I, I mean, I, I keep coming back. We keep talking about these four, uh, four walls problem. Um, but they're not really a four wall. I mean, if you're a large organization with multiple operating companies in many countries, that's not a four wall problem because automatically in in even if it's you know making biscuits there's data coming in from the outside from the supply chain mm -hmm. there's customer feedback coming in that you want to have you know as soon as possible to Im, Im, influence and impact product design so or iterations of product design i don't i don't look at that as a four wall 
to me, it's well, like. I, to, uh, and this, this is the, I think the question that I have, right. I think from the start is the, have, you know, the idea that you have an isolated network, we keep the idea with 5g is that that should go away, that we should just, that, you know, that all these networks just become public networks. Um, but, and that's where I'm, I'm, I guess I'm struggling on this. So low rough stuff is interesting because basically it's saying I can take any device, turn it into a WAN, effectively a WAN connected device and make it part of a, of a virtual network. Yes. Um, infrastructure, and then it could ride on public internet. Um, And I, I guess the assumption that I've seen baked into all this is that if we can do that, then good things will happen. Uh, and that's where, uh, but y'all are having me question, question the idea that making everything on, you know, easy, you know inter, yay, tons of interconnect, it's cheap and free and, and fast is, is going to create new, you know, whole new um, categories of products or whole new product opportunities. Well, I, I think it will. The other the the other point that I would make though is think about it from the point of view of vehicle to anywhere. Right, the more cars are able to communicate with traffic lights, with pedestrians, you have all of the value of autonomy, all of the risk of autonomy, but then that communication still is very much the same thing. You're going from inside the vehicle to every other vehicle around you and everywhere else. Where is that going to live? Uh, but our, the networks that we've been building are not well designed for local local network, local interaction between things, right? We've been, we've been spending, we spent the last 20 years building networks that are client server effectively or, you know, client to cloud. Right. Um, and what, what you're describing, which to me sounds necessary for an, a, a, the next wave of innovation, is counter is counter to how things have been designed. Well, it is. But, but, but we're kind of moving towards there, right? Like Wi-Fi mesh networking has improved leaps and bounds. Uh, it, I mean, you still got the issue of effectively your your. Your 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 mesh uh, stations piggybacking on on, on their own Wi Fi mm -hmm. traffic for, but I mean in in there's dozens of products, products out there which are effectively plug and play, mm -hmm. like setting up meshing at least at small scale is, is something that that is realistic these days. Um, right, question is, will it scale up? Uh, I mean, but it's it's not just the mesh to me, right? There's there's interconnect between devices, but then there's also services that and and this is where I, I think we keep coming back to edge and five G um, as, as the, this difficult thing to solve because it's not just can I talk to things locally? You actually have to have services in that in that relationship that you are consuming locally. And you need to and have trust services as well. have to be managed. Sorry, and you need to have trust as well. And then you need to have security. Yeah, you need to believe that that trust. So, like the intersection problem, like somewhere there's a cert intersection service, 
it says, I, you know, I'm interacting with the intersection as a service. Ideally, that's low latency to the intersection. So that your network hops are all going to be local in that in that service group. Right. None of this is the way things are designed today. Um, and then you have to trust that that interaction is with the services that it says it is. And then the services have to be managed. It's like it's it's a very I mean, just it. When I say it, it just feels very different than the way we've been designing systems so far. Sure, uh, I, I completely agree with you, but you know, I mean, this is stuff that's here, right? Whether it's whether it's the smart cities that are starting to crop up around the world that have the that are building in the capability, or the automotive industry that's you know eagerly anticipating this because that's how it's going to monetize itself or reinvent and remonetize itself going forward. So the, the real question is, is it the telcos that are gonna have to figure out this new world of architecture? Or are we just looking at some, you know, for lack of a better description, federated peer-to-peer, which is a mouthful in and of itself. Well, isn't this, if this is about computing workloads, talking to computing workloads, it would seem to me the advantageous folks here, the people that are hosting the, the, some of those, at least some of those, if not, you know, most of those workloads. So cloud providers to me have a huge advantage here because they own the edge data. You know, they're trying to, they're, I don't think they'll be wholly successful by any means, but they're trying to own the edge data centers and the core data centers and have all the technology necessary to communicate the devices and, and, you know, and remote systems. So um, they can essentially pressure the telcos into giving them network structures that they can then build whatever the virtual network services are on top of that. Um, and at least that's the way, you know, that, that's a, the way I think the biggest player that can play at it. Otherwise, the most probable force is going to be simply um, evolution, right? It's going to be we're going to a whole bunch of things. It's going to take longer, but it's it's going to be a whole things will be a bunch of things will be tried, and some things will work really successfully, and will and companies will be successful off of it, um, and it will grow. But if you if you ask me right now, like the telcos, to me, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but I don't think they have much power right now in how the demand for networks is going to form and what they have to respond to. I I would say that they, they maybe don't have much technological power. But they have political power, mm. regulatory capture. Like they, they it, basically like if if they control the, the regulations and 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 if they say, well, the, the this cloud provider has all this sort of integration, I don't like it. They they can throw the book at them. Yeah, I mean that's the, there is. The, Maybe maybe that Rob is part of the problem of why we're not building networks because um, we're certainly not. There's I, you know there's all these different scales of problem, but for edge, you know, I, I would assume regulatory assumptions about the network are some are are part of the hurdles, right? So assumptions about who should have power over um, over certain. Um, way you know certain traffic or certain um, uh, forms of traffic on the network. I mean, I, it's a really good point, Klaus, because I think um, that with, uh, you know that 
a lot of cloud is still fighting right now. The fact that there are these assumptions about what computing is and how architectures are formed and they're, they're sort of reflected in how organizations are built and, and how they're regulated if they need to be regulated. And, and just to be clear, I'm, I'm not saying that, that it can be held back indefinitely, right? It is, but it, it is going to be a major hurdle. And, and to, to, to see a, a real-world example of what it might look like, we can look at the current dealings on, on, on politicization of uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchains. Absolutely. Uh, I, I look and, back at Lyft and Uber as well, and, and those, those were disruptive technologies but and and james the the evolutionary thing scares me a little bit because if you look at lyft and uber a lot of the the problems that came about security wise you know the that's just going to be magnified when we're talking about these interconnected devices that control where we're going and control access to you know data about where we are mm -hmm. Well, and much like my opinion about social networks, um, it, you know, I, I believe that the worldwide flow is going to be uh, a core infrastructure component for a given nation and for the world, right? So, so in those situations, you could have political debates about who should own that, but certainly the public has a very, very large interest in the availability and democratization of that resource. And so to your point, um, you know, the, the, it will be slowed down because it will have to go through sort of a, you know, kind of in a custom phase in a sense right now, it'll have to go through sort of the, the world of people trying to productize and own and, and corner parts of the market before the public and the, and the government realizes that it's a, you know, it's a, core piece of infrastructure and a national resource. And this is all the stuff on top of the core internet, right? I'm not talking about the core internet itself. I'm talking about all the infrastructure that ha handles real-time information flow um, across the core, across the edge, across, you know, everywhere. Um, to me, that is, that's, we're going to wake up to that 10 years from, or maybe even longer, but we're going to wake up to that as like, holy crap, like anybody who controls a section of that in a serious way financially and can put the screws on people is, you know, is a is sort of a threat to the market moving efficiently. Um, and we have that problem. We have that problem in social media right now. We have that problem in social media right now that we have a few companies strangling our ability to communicate and and verify and 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 uh, um, choose how we want to regulate how we communicate with each other. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I I think that that's an interesting point. I actually think we're closer to it in in cloud than than um, I think sediment's already starting to turn towards realizing that we have a very narrow set of infrastructure providers um, who have very outsized control on on where things are. Mm -hmm. the, the, the flip side of it though is I, I don't, to me, there's a regulatory problem. I, some of it's just plain management and the, the tech. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. Rolling out 5G and I'm, I'm, you know, we're helping telcos and we're, we're behind the scenes on some of this stuff. There are so many pieces for them to get right. And it's so hard. It's so much infrastructure 
that it's it's not a regulatory problem. It's a management problem. Sure. Well, if I may, it's an international management problem because think about it, Klaus, you and I have the issue. We're going to have the issue anytime we drive close to a border point. And right now, when we when we're in our cars or we have our cell phones with us, we automatically change networks from, you know, Bell Rogers or TELUS into ATT or whatever other big provider happens to be in that region. And the time and the issues that come up with that are huge because what I don't know if you're aware of this class, but anytime you're within 100 miles of the U.S. border, you're actually being monitored, monitored yep. on the U.S. side. And we have a, you know, I mean, this gets into a whole privacy discussion, but irrespective of that, when it's the vehicle that's the controlling factor, not the individual with their phone, but the vehicle needs the telemetry and needs the data, and it's being monitored on both sides, that's going to be a huge issue going forward. And I know that there's, you know, all the automotives are already struggling with this, but this is also in part a weird little factoid, one of the reasons that Canada decided to build its own automotive industry to maintain that level of control over personal privacy and data. Yeah. Wow. Unfortunately, wow. with the with the agreement with the TSA that that uh, yeah that they, they have uh, authority within what like two hundred miles of a, of a border or something like that. Well, with Canada, it's 100, 100 miles, 212 kilometers, whatever. Yeah. And the Toronto airport is considered a border. Yes. So 99% of the Canadian oh. population is within the, 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 the jurisdiction of the TSA. Wow. You know, it's it's amazing. I'm, we need to wrap up. I'll, I'll offer a a thought here. Just, it's amazing how hard it is to have a conversation only about networking or only about edge. These are incredibly intertwined conversations, um, and I think that that. It, I mean, this is a repeating theme to me in these conversations. Is that part of what makes what we're discussing so hard is you can't advance one thing by itself and you, you, we have to advance multiple, multiple components together. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you, you have to have a holistic outlook on things. It's the principle of interconnectedness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a good group of complex systems, people right here, man. Never consider the never consider the scoped system without considering everything that's touching the scoped system, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> go from there. If um, as a something, I watched uh, Elon Musk give a tour of the SpaceX facility. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen that, I highly recommend watching it. The first the first part of that is actually him talking about his design process. And he spends about 20 minutes talking about the SpaceX design process, which is all about dealing with interconnected systems, because there's nothing more interconnected than a space launch system. Um, fascinating, fascinating 
um, you know, talking to somebody who's been through multiple generations of this saying, okay, I, this, this is what it actually takes to design rocket ships um, and reveal the process. Highly recommended listening. We could do, we could, we could do an hour just decomposing what, what he said in those 20 minutes. Should be fun to do. Maybe I'll put it on the agenda. I'll put it on the agenda. 20 or 30 riff tracks. Sorry? 20 or 30 riff tracks. 20, 30. Are you, are you from, are familiar with riff tracks? Like, uh, no. it's, uh, mystery science it, theater. Yeah. Yeah. 3000 kind of thing. Gotcha. No, maybe I should be. Hold on. I'll give you all the link. If you haven't, um, let's see. Oh, <laughs> this is Larry joining. All right. Um, there you go. That's the link to the, the first interview if you haven't seen it. But. All right, everybody. Um, next Tuesday's topic. If you next, uh, boy, I didn't keep up the, the things. Um, Thursday, next week, we're talking about. Zillow has more listings. Back up. Uh, next Thursday's topic is right to repair which we've covered before, but I, I wanted to bring back because I think y'all will take it to a higher level. Um, yeah. I, 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 see, I see just established like everything is connected. So it's good to review things in, in you. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I think the vendors are really getting beat up here over a, a really fundamental problem that they have. And so it, I'd almost like to put the vendor, the vendor hat on it, um, not just the consumer hat. So. All right. Excellent. Everybody, thank you for okay. the fun conversation. Till next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. This is a weekly series where we talk about topics like this. We have an agenda that's about four weeks in advance. If you visit our website, you can check out which sessions you want to be a part of. We really do want to hear from you and have your opinions in these conversations. Um, more points of view we have, the better. Um, and, you know, that's what building a community is about. I'm hoping to hear from you. And if you like the podcast or have questions for us, please just let us know. Um, re you can reach out to me. I am Rob at zeicle.com. I'm at zeicle on Twitter. And I would love to hear what you're thinking. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.